In the dynamic landscape of modern organizations, the Agile framework has emerged as a powerful agent for transformation. Originated in the early 2000s, Agile's principles of collaboration, adaptability, and customer centricity have been proven to be an effective problem-solving methodology. Today, organizations across various industries are embracing the Agile methodology to foster innovation and streamline their operations. Across many industries and organizations, Agile has a strong impact on how businesses operate. Traditional outdated hierarchies are being broken down as Agile framework is being embraced as a new means of delivering value to customers. Inherent flexibility of Agile framework empowers organizations to respond swiftly to changing market conditions, enhancing product quality and fostering culture of continuous improvement. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing Jonas Lindman, who has one decade of hands-on experience working with Agile and real-world cases. And in this episode, we'll be unpacking some of the critical lessons he has gained working with Agile and how can you bring Agile into your personal and professional life. Okay, Jonas, thank you for coming uh, on. I really appreciate you. Uh, I really appreciate what you do. Uh, yeah. Could you share a little bit more about yourself? What do you do and what are you all about? Sure. Uh, thanks uh, first for coming to my office, <laughs> our new office. So my name is Jonas Lidman and I my title is Agile Lead at Martin and Savera, which is the largest organization in Scandinavia when it comes to distribution of food and beverages to restaurants, large mm-hmm. kitchens and uh, yeah, different facilities. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been working as an Agile coach? For almost almost 10 years. I think it's a little bit more actually. I've been working since 2006, but I started off as with strategy a little bit in uh-huh. advertising and in TV for a very short while. And then I ended up doing a lot of facilitation. And that's how I came in contact with Hyper Island, going around different organizations in Sweden, also a little bit around the world helping them solve different problems. And why Agile? So the the short answer to that is that I was working with one of the largest public service companies uh, here in Scandinavia. Which is? SVT. Okay. <clears throat> I think it's almost nine years ago. And I bumped into the to this world, Agile, many times before that. Or many it's, times. it's a world. Yeah, it's a, like, like it's, and it has so many like... Um, how do you say interpretations of it? What it actually is? Mm-hmm. So I bumped into it there, where I had a like I was like working as an internal consultant, from and had like a very clear direction of helping them level up the creativity level and also working more cross-functional. And in that section where they develop new new uh, digital projects and the uh, new digital products and services, mm-hmm. they work super agile, and in the rest of the organizations. They didn't work that that way at all. Could you describe more about uh, what does it mean to work agile and what does it mean not to work agile? Do you want the absolutely simplest uh, the simplest in- explanation? If I should, sure. Yeah, yeah, if I could, if I should boil it down to like a little broth beat mm-hmm. <laughs> that you cook on, I would say like this: Agile is about working in small pieces. Mm. So 
instead of taking a big chunk of work and working on that, cut everything down to small pieces okay. and work on that. Talk to each other. Talk to those that you work with, but also those that you're trying to serve with your product or whatever it might be, or service or internal service or whatever. Talk to them. So talk with those that you work with a lot, face-to-face. Mm -hmm. Collaborate. Talk to each other and then talk to those that you're trying to serve. Last one, make people's lives awesome. Okay. If it's people outside, understand what this product can actually solve for problem for them. Mm -hmm. If it's internal in an organization, it's like a economic system that or uh, some kind of uh, data data thing that you're trying to give to other people. Understand how that can solve their worries and hassles okay. in their everyday life. If we do that, my my belief is that the company will be more successful. You and I will have a much more fun at work yeah. because we're actually solving real problems. So that's my three things. Work small, talk to each other, makes people's life better. And how is that different than other ways of working on a project? <clears throat> I mean traditionally, I mean traditionally most organizations in the world has adapted a comes from a I mean had adapted a, a working system that comes from maybe a production industry from the 1920s, right? Mm. And then adapted that, of course. But I know, I know when I met you the first time a couple of months ago, I showed you a picture of a uh, of an org chart, and I asked you to guess which year it was from. And it's I funny, what, what? An, an organizational chart. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny when I show that picture because people guess everything from 1980s, 1930s to 2023. Mm -hmm. And if I would have shown you a picture of a car, a dress, or a dish, you would have said 1950s, 2020. You can say it straight up. And that's a little bit the same thing. I mean, the world, I mean, we are, we are, many organizations are still stuck in all ways of working where we're like, we hand over stuff to each other. We go into a room. We don't take in feedback mm. from the rest of the world. We're very much into, how do you say, uh, making sure that we're absolutely stuck on work mm -hmm. that we don't have one centimeter or one even one little resource to fulfill because we're so so super stoked on work and we're like uh, fully tech we can't do anything else okay okay so we're very bad at adapting to change if something happens right okay i see so that I and see. that's i mean in general big difference. in general of course this this revolution has been going on for at least 15 15 years plus, right? So many organizations are trying to do this, but are still struggling. To, to reduce the, the big teams to smaller teams. Exactly. So they can, I mean, that's the problem is the internet, right? That's where it started. Mm -hmm. When people can, can do stuff and people can access more. And that has put a pressure on big banks, insurance companies, uh, authorities or whatever. And new organizations who have like popped up. I mean, the first question they ask themselves is not, let's big a huge IT department and let's build a huge uh, uh, infrastructure around these people. They mm -hmm. ask themselves, okay, this is what we're going to deliver. How do we make this happen as soon as possible? How can we ship as soon as possible? I see. So, I, I see. mean, that's that's the big uh, the big difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so, how have you adapted the Agile mindset in your personal life and in work? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean... Uh, the first thing I would say, if we talk about transparency, mm -hmm. that's one thing that that uh, that agile. That, yeah, exactly. So instead of like me and you having everything hidden, yeah. we don't show it to our collaborators. We have everything like 
transparent so everybody can see what everybody's working on and we can get a picture of the progress or even sharing different spaces if you're a, if you work with code you can share code base and stuff but in, in general be transparent <clears throat> and i would say maybe 10 years ago or when i started doing this i was a little bit in that box where i was very protective of my own stuff I didn't want to show working progress mm -hmm. because I was a little bit like, you know, afraid or a little bit like it would uh, take down my self-esteem that everything I show needs to be super perfect. Mm -hmm. So I would say one thing that I have adapted is the transparency in my work. Mm -hmm. as a, also in my work here as an Agile coach or an Agile lead that, that I show my work. I ask for feedback from people yeah. uh, and I'm always in like a beta mode everything can come become better, right? Mm -hmm. uh, then of course I try to show it when it's like, it should be something that you show that you can give feedback on. It's not like just an abstract, but that, that's something that I have adapted and tried to become better at. Okay, it seems much, more, much less stressful. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. you get, I mean, if you're going the wrong path, you can actually change that path quite early, right? So you don't need to sit and do a deck or a presentation or a, a workshop that is totally irrelevant, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. So that's I one see. thing that how, how I have adapted this personally. I see, I see. <clears throat> and so could you tell me why is it important to uh, adapt Agile mindset for the sort of new generations and the older generations adapt this mindset? Sure. I mean, you, you, I think everyone is familiar with this VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex ambiguity. <laughs> Uh, ambiguous. Ambi ambiguous, exactly. And I think when we we are in this world, I saw a yeah. I saw an indicator a couple of weeks. Could we actually highlight more about what VUCA is? I don't. I'm not sure that everybody's familiar yeah. with VUCA. So, it's so what it's a, a big. Uh, so what it's, it's about? A mindset. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a uh, a description of a wor the world that we're living in right now. Yeah. And I saw an indicator a couple of weeks ago from something called the World Uncertainty Index or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they measured from 1990 or something like that. And I think it had tripled up and it stopped. That, that survey that I saw, it stopped with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I can just imagine with the war that it has like gone up even more. And if it was on 5,000 something, I think 5,000 when they started. 5,000 what? I don't remember what the scale was, but it was like on five and now it was on 30,000 or something uh -huh. like that. So it, was like, it has tripled or even so more. So the complexity, ambiguity, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Had, had tripled. And, and what is, I mean, and this is very, this is also a thing that you, this is what Adya wants to, what, what agility or what the Agile principle wants to help us with is to create the framework for how we can not tame or not like, like, not like protect us from this VUCA world mm -hmm. or this uncertainty or this complexity, but how we actually can handle it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can't control it. We just need to surrender for that. So we need to, because it's a living system. And a metaphor that I use, and this is quoted from many smart books. I can, for instance, I know this is in the book, Brave New Work, that I can highly recommend to everyone. By Aaron Dignan, a brave new work, brave new work, fantastic mm -hmm. book to read, and I think they present they they phrase this in a very very good way in that book. We need to look at the world that we're living in now as a living system. Mm -hmm. So look more at, at the world right now and the work that we're doing as a living system. So for instance, like a garden, 
instead of looking at the system as a watch. You know, a watch you can fix if it goes broken, yeah. you take out different pieces. Or a garden is more like, I don't come home to Eurosh and say, now the garden is finished. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything is set. Yeah. And I think that's really important why it's important to adapt an agile mindset. Because it tells us that, yeah, things are changing a lot. And we can't control it. It doesn't matter how many times, how many detailed plans we do. Mm -hmm. Because it will change. And I think the agility and the, the principles and the manifesto gives us a, how do you say, like, uh, uh, something to hold on to. Yeah. Uh, when we are in that garden or in that living system. So it's the tools designed to yeah, cope exactly. yeah, with, the, to deal it, with. It gives us a framework or a picture of how to how to handle this, I would say. All right, all right. All so right. that's why I think it's important. I see. Uh, and we, I mean, we see this complexity with war, inflation, uh, the environment. I mean, there are so many, so many uh, things in motion here. So definitely, they in will interaction. just yeah, it will just speed up. And it, as soon as you start staring in this, if you start staring in this complexity, mm -hmm. it becomes even worse, right? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we just need to. Okay, it's here. How can we manage? And I think that's one of the skills that that is most important for young people or young professionals and or any professional today mm -hmm. is to handle this, right? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Okay, Jonas, I'm curious to hear more more about like your personal experience of adapting agile in your work. Could you talk about some examples uh, where you are uh, having to deal with VUCA and having to apply agile? Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, the first thing, I mean, if you come into an organization or work in an organization or as a consultant or whatever, I mean, it, it's, of course, a difference if it's an older or a newer organization. But I would say that in general, I think it's, first of all, to be a little bit humbleness when it mm -hmm. comes to this, but also be a little bit challenging. And that's that's maybe the tricky part of this, because, I mean, if you look at an old organization, mm -hmm. they have survived maybe for 40, 50 years by not applying these methods like a play i mean they are not they have they have they made they managed to survive even without these stuff so you need to be humble against that mm -hmm. but then you also be, need to be a little bit like showing them that yeah okay this complexity is it's increasing it's increasing very very fast in a very very fast pace so we need to do something adapt yeah adapt exactly and be a little bit humble with that mm -hmm. and then what this is about, I mean, this is about change, right? And change management. And my experience of this, and I mean, uh, this is also a, a metaphor that I use a lot every day in my work, because what my work is about is explaining this and trying to adapt this. And there are always people who understand this straight away. If you come in an organization or whatever, mm -hmm. they get this straight away. Mm -hmm. And they are super happy about it. Mm -hmm. And they love what you do and they even start working on it. It could be a team that already exists or whatever. But then you, of course, also have people that are a little bit more critical mm -hmm. by, by a given reason. I mean, by a reason they have. Maybe they have trust, be, believed in something many years ago that I didn't accomplish in the organization or whatever it might be. And these people you need to definitely be humble to. But you also need to understand that there are between these 10% who are very happy and these 10% who are a little bit more like, you know, reserved, there are 80%. And those 80% are those who actually is in between. 
Okay. Yeah, this 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 way of working could be interesting. Or yeah, what we're doing now is not really that good. But should we actually change? And my job, in my professional career, has been to remind me of this. That I'm gonna focus on those eighty percent, those that are in the middle. Okay. Because I don't need to focus on those ten percent that are happy and really want to do this. Yeah. Because they will they will do the work anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And they will help me. Mm -hmm. But if I focus too much on those that are a little bit reserved, I will have such, a, <laughs> I will have a very complicated work situation, right? Because I will be exhausted. I will try to like, you know, drag a horse who doesn't want to the to the drinking uh, drinking place, and that's that's not no that's no good, right? I mean, if instead of I focus on these eighty percent in the middle, when they are coming over to that other side that they like this, yeah. those ten percent who are a little bit reserved will understand. Okay, and something is happening here in the system, right? Mm -hmm. Let's come on. You're speaking with the eighty percent that are not aware of the. Agile. Yeah, exactly, or not, or not like I mean, how do you say like that are like they are not. Uh, yeah, we could go either way. I mean, mm -hmm. I could definitely. Uh, we could definitely start working this way. They don't have an opinion, right? Yeah. Or they are like they are like neutral. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to introduce it, exactly. Yeah. And that's also because I mean, as a human being, and I'm, I'm I think I'm talking for myself at least, but everybody wants to be loved, right? Yeah, of course. So I mean, the the hardest thing is that, and that's at least what I try to remind myself of in my everyday work, especially when I try to, to to. Uh, to present something that is new that yeah respect those people who have another opinion opinion mm -hmm. but don't focus on them don't give them 100% attention because then you will get then there will be no work done right yes so that's that's just important and some days that's also why it's good to have a partner to work with or colleagues or a team to reflect on are we actually producing this material for to talking to the majority of the organization or are we actually talking to the 10% that is already like positive to this? Or are we just focusing totally on those that are not interested? Mm. And that's, that's, the, that's the reality of this work. Okay. Okay. Could you talk about more about, about like a specific example of where <coughs> of implementation? Yeah. Can you give me a little bit more? What do you want to know? Uh, <laughs> give me one second. So like a concrete project that you can uh, talk about. So an example of where I why I adapted this. Let me take an example. I, I got a reminder on Facebook of a thing that we actually did a couple of years ago. It was also in the Swedish public TV organization. Uh, and we were working with all the departments that were not on the digital side. And a very simple thing that we introduced, and I think there were many people behind this, but I know that we were talking a lot about this when we had different sessions with different teams within the organization that worked with classic broadcasting as a TV programs was this whole thing of actually getting feedback from customers, right? Mm -hmm. On the work that you do, which I talked about earlier, transparency. And in a TV program, it's very much set, right? I mean, when you have produced and edited the show and aired it, it's done. Mm -hmm. There is no maintenance like an app or a site where you like adapt and do new stuff, right? Okay. So it's very set. But what you actually can do <clears throat> is ask for feedback on the raw cut when you have a draft, right? Mm -hmm. So we asked people, 
we did like we had 10 teams that we were focusing on in different parts of 10 the teams 10 teams or 10 different parts of the organization that we were focusing on that were working more with classical classical production okay so as an external consultant you came exactly the organization. Ex exactly and what we asked them to do was to do an experiment and we helped them formulate that experiment and then like share what experiment you did and what you learned from it and there was one I think there was a couple of people actually did this, but there's actually one that I remember. They had a TV show that was very popular. And what they did was that they used their Facebook group and said, now the show is edited. It's going to be broadcast or aired on Monday. Mm -hmm. Now it's Thursday. Uh, if you want to see the raw cut before it airs, just give me your email address and we will send you a, a Google survey on some questions. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. So they got maybe, let's see. 25, 50 people who watched it on like a link and gave feedback. And then they used some of the feedback and then the show was aired. So just a very, very simple tool. Mm -hmm. And I was reminded of this on Facebook because it came up the, the post that they did on yeah. in their Facebook group. And then this spring, I was actually looking at another friend who is a TV producer mm -hmm. and she's producing a TV show for kids or youth here in Sweden. And it's a drama show scripted and i saw we now have a raw cut of the series uh, if you know kids between 17 and 21 mm -hmm. that wants to see the first five episodes give me them you give me give me the give me their email addresses and we will send a like a, one one link for some feedback on this show mm -hmm. and i think just that that's just a simple simple way of changing a way of working and when we introduced and talked about this it was totally it was not it was such that people didn't embrace the idea, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it's fun to see that a simple, simple idea, and I'm not saying that I was the one. Which is the simple idea? The simple idea is just talking to people mm. and asking uh, for their feedback. That's approaching yeah, agile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having that, like giving instant feedback from the thing that we do in an industry that is actually not so much learn, adapt. Mm -hmm. So that you actually can use this. And I think that was that was actually brilliant. I know there was a lot of other people involved in that. I know Hyper Island that you study at mm -hmm. was having a lot of courses there. So it could also be that this this way of working was actually like had already gotten into people's brains. But it was an experiment that we started. So I, I hope we were we we put a seed into this this movement that is actually happening mm -hmm. now. So that that's a long story, but a fun example of how this has actually develop to something that people do so basically what you're talking about is impacting culture of an organization exactly yeah. <clears throat> exactly <clears throat> or how they how they operate and how they work yeah 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 and that's that's uh, a lot of your work is about that like going into organizations and and trying to implement the agile mindset uh, in different ways yeah i would say i mean i have had the i've been working mostly with old organizations mm -hmm mostly the last couple of years that that has been working in another way and it's interesting that you mentioned culture mm -hmm. because i really think that culture is important but i'm something that has like was an epiphany for me a couple of years ago is that if you focus too much on culture it's like trying to uh trying to um, run i mean focusing on your own shadow because what the what the culture is is a shadow of how the organization operates. Let me elaborate. <laughs> okay. So, for instance, I talked with a client. This is like maybe three three years ago, and he said the following: 
So we have this organization, it's all right. And we want to, we see all this complexity and everything and we want to adapt a new way of working. So we hired a lot of people that have this background. Maybe I've worked in a startup or come from another industry or universities or schools that, mm -hmm. that apply this. Mm -hmm. You know what happened? What? They became exactly like us. Okay. Or they quit. Wow. Okay. And I think that's really important because it's I think... It's a culture shift. Yeah. Because do you know why, why I'm mentioning this? This is because I think it's like you need to approach it from another perspective. And now I'm going to drop in something here which is very much consultant word and it's a little bit fuzzy. But it's like every organization has an operating model. Mm -hmm. And an operating model is very, very simple explained. It's like your phone here on my computer. It's like how the organization operate, how we work together, yeah. how we look at people, how we allocate people, how mm -hmm. we steer, how we govern mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and such things. If you just hire a bunch of people and say, let's work this way that you have worked already before coming with this new, but you don't adapt the system. Yeah. Then it will be a floss, and then then there will be some disconnection in the system, right? So what is really important, I would say, is to actually start by updating your operating model, or do, how that. do you do that. So how you do that is that looking. I'm 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 taking a classic example that I always use in this. It's like, so I've I've done a lot of workshops throughout my career, and let's say that that the topic was more collaboration between different departments. Mm. And someone come up, uh, come up with the idea that, yeah, we need to collaborate more. We need to like share different projects that we're doing and so on. Uh, and then there's high, high energy in the room, high-fiving and a lot of post-it notes and everybody's happy, right? Mm -hmm. But then they go back to the reality. And if you look at their operating model, when it still says collaboration, yeah. it says that if we should collaborate, my apartment and your apartment, you cost 150 euros an hour and I'm... 200 euros an hour yeah so we need to pay each other a lot of money oh. even to start collaborating because that's how we keep track of time and measure that's not so beneficial in the operating model if we want to start collaborating over different parts of the organizations right yeah so there is an example of something that you need to update in I your see. operating model just an example it could also be budgeting how we budget do we budget for teams or do we budget for projects, which is different, very different and can go into that in detail in another podcast. But, mm. uh, but I would say like, if you adapt those things, it's a little bit like a turntable. If you pull up those strings, yeah. it will be a much more nicer sound in the, in, in the, uh, in the sound that you're trying to project, that you're trying to play. Right. Mm -hmm. And that will also affect the culture because if you hire these people, they will stay. Mm -hmm. They won't quit or they won't just be like everyone else. I see. So I think it's like, I think actually the operating model comes first and then comes the, the culture because that will, that will mirror the culture. Okay. Okay. So that's my, that's my point. Okay. And this thing with the operating model, it's super complex and you need to have a lot of buying to do it. But I mean, if you really want to make a change, and I'm not just talking about one Agile team or two teams. If you want to do five or six or seven teams, right? And if you start scaling like that, you will, if you haven't, if you haven't, if you haven't touched the operating model, you will bump into it when you start having more than two teams. 
I see. Because it will pressure the organization in different ways. I see. Because the people being in those teams will say, everything outside our world is so slow and so complex. Yeah. But in our system, as soon as, uh, just when we work, everything goes smooth. And that is the operating model that is hindering them. So that is why you need to work on that level also. I see. And that's I a see. little bit, uh, that, that's, that's the, the challenge that a lot of organizations are struggling with. I see. Uh, do you have like a closing message for people who are sort of embarking uh, on this journey? So my advice. There's a really good quote that I find, found many years ago that is, it's unknown. It's an advice for design students. And I usually use it in presentations and, and I, I come back to it myself. It goes like this. So here's what you do. Never stop thinking. Never stop asking questions. Never, never stop reading, looking, imagining what else can be done. And don't be afraid to start small. You'll get there eventually. And when you do, send somebody a thank you note. Wow. I think that is really good. Yeah, I agree. All right, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining on and listening. And I hope you learned something valuable. Ciao.